Chapter 30 Lay of the Land The morning air was crisp and refreshing, and the second I stepped out into it, I felt marginally better. I didn't understand why anyone would want to live in that dank, dark city when they could live out here with the clean air and endless landscape. Raina broke into a jog and I followed. I practically had to leap into a full run to keep up with her, her strides were so long. For someone who barely cleared five feet tall, it was quite a feat to have such long strides. We eventually fell into a comfortable balance between our two natural paces. I started to say something, but she shushed me. No, no talking. Just run. She quickened her pace and I rolled my eyes, catching up. I didn't mean I was never talking again, I said under my breath. I heard that. Of course you did. I heard that too, she said. I rolled my eyes. I saw that. Shut up, I groaned, my lungs expanding and contracting with each stride. Iriana's lush land of water and green surrounded us. It was a sharp contrast to the city I spent my nights in. The centrum was surrounded by the gate, which no one got in or out of without permission, and then there was a second inner gate that protected the citadel. Outside the gate and the centrum, there were four main parts of Iriana. The forest, a vast, immeasurable span of lush trees, lakes, brooks, waterfalls, and wildlife, the highlands, in which horses and other livestock roamed freely along enormous fields and plains, living happily with no idea what lay beyond their land. The Forsaken, the place where those that didn't live in the city lived. The Forsaken started where the forest ended, and sat between two roads, one to the forest and one to the centrum. The cloaked village sat in the Forsaken. We passed groups of people who waved at us, some were farming, riding, sitting in the sun. The fourth part of Iriana sat on the other side of the road to the forest. The width was easily five or six times the size of even the biggest highway I'd seen back home. The span of land on either side of this road wasn't traveled very often. I remember William said that once, and I wondered why. I couldn't even remember the name of it. Was that where Iris's henchmen hung out when they weren't in the centrum? I had to stop and throw up at one point, but my heavy head began to clear after about an hour of solid pacing, and I suddenly found myself glad that Reyna pushed me into this. Turned out it was the best cure for my hangover. And being given the chance to not talk and instead think through full thoughts and maps of Iriana gave me a clearer look at what we were dealing with. As we neared the cloaked village a while later, I expected to feel an urgency, that feeling of hope that William would be down from his examination of the night before. However, I felt oddly calm, soothed, centered, at peace. That was until Braden jumped alongside me and I knocked him to the ground with a ferocious right cross. Sorry, I exclaimed, helping him to his feet. He moved his jaw around, stretching it with his right hand. I was going to see if you wanted to duel, but I'm not so sure now. He laughed, dropping the staff in his hands. I'm sorry, I repeated, laughing, and Raina joined in with us. Has William come down yet? I asked. No one's heard anything from him. If I had to guess, I'd say he's been in the exact same position for the last 12 hours. I'd be surprised if he's gotten up to pee, Braden said, matter-of-factly. 
I rolled my eyes. I'd be surprised if he'd even so much as moved a leg to stretch. A feeling of panic rose in me. What if I hadn't recorded anything important at all? What if what Reyna and I had done was for nothing? Was that even possible? Caleb seemed the type to keep those around him well informed. Surely the meeting had something to do with Iris in some capacity. Got a surprise for you, Ray, Braden said to Reyna, and she looked at him quizzically. As if on cue, a small woman stepped out Braden's front door. Her energy made up for her stature. She seemed to take up far more space than her body occupied. A true warrior. She had raven hair and what seemed like a naturally porcelain complexion whose olive tones shone through after significant time in the sun. She wore a beaming smile that could have lit up the whole cloaked village. Reyna's breath caught in her chest. Jai. Jai was suddenly rushing toward Reyna, whose feet seemed stuck to the ground in surprise. When Jai finally reached us, the women embraced in a crushing hug all sighs and laughter. Reyna had tears leaking from her eyes. They parted and kissed, and Braden and I pulled our eyes away from the moment of such intense, quiet intimacy that I felt my body might burn up. I missed you so much, Jai mused, her tone raspy like she had perpetual mourning voice. Jai, gods, I missed having you in my arms. Reyna whispered quietly and hugged her lover close again. I smiled, basking in the small victories and joys we were allotted in this time. Braden and I retreated back to William's house while Reyna and Jai went off on their own for a while. We insisted they take the short moments of solace they were granted. William's single-mindedness kept him upstairs well through dinner. As everyone filtered out of the house to get to their own homes, I sighed heavily. The sun was still fairly high in the sky. It must have been summer here. I trudged over to the couch and flopped onto it, staring at William's rows of bookshelves. I wondered idly if our realm shared any books or stories. My eyes started to get heavy, and my breathing settled, becoming more even. I tried to keep them open in hopes that William would come down within the next few minutes, but after about fifteen, I fell into a sound dreamless sleep. William bounded down the stairs about an hour later, and I launched from the couch. What? What is it? I said, possibly a little more excited than I should have been. When you ran into Iris the other night, something happened. Something inside of her shifted. She's curious about you. It's, it's all she keeps talking about. The girl who ran into me. The girl who ran into me. She knows nothing about you, which is good. But deep down, her subconscious must be putting it together because she's not in Iriana. She's gone to Atlantis. She's talking to the Sandman. He spoke so quickly that I could only pick up bits and pieces of the rest of what he said. My mind was stuck on the important facts. Atlantis, the Sandman, and Iris. My mind replayed that fateful night over and over while I watched William's mouth run. I guess she'll be back tomorrow, he finished. Amy? His use of my nickname fully pulled me from my runaway thoughts. Amy? I asked, staring at him. Amelia, he said, as if that was what he had said the first time, but it wasn't. Okay, so... I asked, at a loss for what was coming next or what we should do. 
He looked at me silently. I took a guess. So, keep your enemies closer? Exactly. Caleb likes you. How much after last night's escapade, it's hard to tell, but it's not because he knows about you. So, we have a one up there. How do you know he doesn't know? Trust me, if he knew, you'd have a hell of a lot more than a hangover today. Unless he's biding his time. Caleb doesn't bide. Caleb acts. Iris has other people in her reserves that bide their time. She likes him because he's swift, he's strong, he's fast, and he's impulsive. He acts on instinct. So then why is she gone? What's the point of leaving? I assume she's trying to find information on you. The real you, not Portia. A silence fell between us. What could she possibly find out about me in Atlantis? Then again, she didn't know where I was. The severity that her subconscious suspected that the girl who ran into her could have been her sister started to make its way into my blood, sending it pounding through my veins. Questions, ideas, and scenarios played across my mind as my face scrunched with confusion. When I finally spoke, it was about something that had been bubbling in my mind for a long time. William, how did you guys find me? I mean, you talk about Iris not being able to find me yet, but you managed it so long ago. My mother knew your mother. Both your mothers, in fact, Asalia and your mom back home. I was very close to becoming a caretaker myself, but chose instead to be a knight, a frontline warrior for the cause. It still shocked and surprised me how little I knew about everything and how important I was in this whole equation. I felt ashamed, embarrassed, like I should have always been there, like people had been fighting and risking their lives for hundreds of years to take Iris down and in waltzed this human teenager who'd been around all of five minutes in comparison. I kept telling myself to get over it, but it wasn't that easy. So, okay, we keep our enemies closer. We keep an eye on Caleb and whoever else we can find. How exactly are we going to manage that? I feel like I already kind of shot that horse in the face. I scrunched my nose and he smiled. It's okay. We just lay low for a bit. When we represent you to Caleb, you'll be calmer, more ready. And you probably won't have to try and seduce him with Reyna. William? Yes? Do you know much about my mom? My, my real mom? He nodded and fell back into the couch as if this was going to be a long story. Asalia was a beautiful woman, strong and graceful, and always selfless. William's mother had been very close to Asalia, so close, in fact, that she was her midwife. I gasped when he revealed this. But she died the night that I was born. I saw her killed. No. She came so close to death, she said, that she felt her soul begin to leave her body. But she was revived. We have potent medicines here, much more potent than you have on Earth. So your mother was my mother's midwife? Yes. Y you always seemed like you were a of nobler blood, I stuttered. Not that being the son of a midwife is bad, you just always talk like you come from some kind of royalty. 
Wow, way to be an ass, Clark. I immediately regretted everything I'd said and tried to reconcile, but he broke the tension with a warm, soothing laugh. It's okay. The way I speak and act is weird to most humans, I suppose, but humans are a little strange to me, too. And a midwife is fairly noble blood here. My mother was, after all, Asalia's one true confidant other than your father. More so in some areas of her life. He told me stories of how my mother was a highly skilled combatant. She even sneaked away from her family in the dead of night to fight the war against Koble. Her father always managed to find her, though. William always spoke of my mother with reverence, but there was an obvious disconnect, and now I understood why. He'd been waiting to reveal this information until it was right, until he was comfortable, probably until I asked and was ready to hear. Now his tone reflected the truth about our history. When a small lull in the conversation presented itself, something that had been quietly sizzling in me started to bubble. I never pushed the question mostly because of the fear that it could turn into an argument, and, deep down, because I was afraid of what the answers could entail. You knew Iris, right? You said you guys... We grew up together. She wasn't always as terrible as she is now. Of course, there was always something very deep and dark about her, but she was sweet for a long time. Especially when we were kids. Were you close? No one was very close to her. She was, for the most part, on her own. She never cared much for anyone else, and most people didn't care for her. I think, in the end... That's what did it for her. The isolation. Now she has all the respect and followers she needs. <laughs> I scoffed. Do not mistake fear for respect, Amelia. Sometimes things are much more complicated than they first appear. The brevity of his comment brought our long conversation to a sudden halt. He stood and poured himself a glass of water. I tried to direct the conversation somewhere else. Hey, so Reyna and I went for a run today, and I got to thinking about the layout of the landscape here. What's the other part of Iriana? I can't remember if you ever told me. You must have, but... The forest, the forsaken, the centrum, and... What was the fourth? Ah, uh, he said. I knew this question would come soon. We haven't really talked about it. That section is nearly endless. It's the swamp also called the marshlands or the salts. All are used just as equally as the others. I'm guessing we won't be spending much time there if this is the first I've heard of them? There's not much there, really, except portals to the other realms. That anyone can use? Sure. How come places like that don't exist back home? They do, remember? You found one. Yeah, but I still had to have the orb. Most of the races have a way of getting place to place. Ours are orbs, but it's different for different realms. Even different for different people in the same realms. Boy, humanity's severely lacking in the technology department, I thought. Is she in Atlantis recruiting? She doesn't need to recruit. The Sandman will do that, if that's what she wants, that is. 
shouldn't we be recruiting? As the words made their way out of my mouth, William's face dropped. Of all the topics that night, I was surprised that was the one that really kicked our argument into gear. We went back and forth for the better part of an hour, William insisting they'd tried to recruit people in the Forsaken, but they simply wanted to go about their lives and try not to get hurt. I insisted that at least some of them must be willing to fight for their freedoms and their lives. If all the realms are on the verge of being attacked, there must be someone somewhere that will fight back. If Iris can gather a following in other realms, so can we. He groaned, his head falling into his hands. You don't. Why are you so against it? We were on the verge of shouting now. It's a waste of time. It's useless. People don't want to get themselves involved in other people's business, never mind their wars. People always want to get involved in other people's business and their wars. If it's a good enough reason, people will fall in line. They'll stand behind us. We're not actually talking about just humanity right now, William said, teeth clenched. You're a young race. Of course you want to force yourselves into other people's lives and business. Of course you want to join wars and have something for which to fight. Most of the older races don't. We have long memories. Mostly, they don't want to involve themselves in another great war. For someone who spent so much time convincing me to come aboard, you're pretty negative about this whole thing. My tone was even, my voice close to a whisper so that he had to stop fuming to listen. He set his jaw, looking me squarely in the eye. I've been raised to understand that war isn't something to be particularly positive about. His whisper was lower still than mine. Our gazes didn't falter as we continued in this hushed manner, spitting yet more opinions back and forth. I felt myself repeating the same things over and over, and he did the same, but we couldn't pull ourselves from the debate. Every time I said something I thought we should try, he countered with the fact that they already had. But not with me. If I'm supposed to be some kind of, I don't know, mascot, you should use me as such. It would put you in too much danger. We don't know who's on our side and who isn't in the other realms. We can't go parading you around. Like you didn't parade me around the Centrum? That's different. And I don't really think you should be using your behavior in the Centrum to convince me that we should start recruiting in the other realms, he said, and it both deflated me and heated me up all at once. Well, apparently no one's on our side in the other realms, according to you, I spat. Just because people don't want to fight in the war doesn't mean they aren't helping in other ways. We have people in the other realms who are on our side, who are aware of what's happening, and who are doing their level best to help. Well, why didn't you tell me that? I yelled. His voice topped mine. Because you're too busy running around like a child all the time, making all the decisions, getting hurt, putting yourself in danger when it's unnecessary. He paced back and forth, the words spilling quickly from his mouth. I started to deflate. I never have a chance to talk to you about this because I feel like ever since you got here, I've been busy trying to save your life. I've managed fine on my own, thank you, I said, anger and heat finding its way back into my body. Oh, have you? Who trained you? Who's always been there to keep you safe or chased after you to make sure you didn't get any more hurt? Who orchestrated everything last night so Caleb wouldn't find the earpiece and come after you? 
Who fought off a group of four burly men in an alleyway? Who left the bar in the first place, putting herself in that circumstance? Maybe I'll stop acting like a child when you stop treating me like one. I'll treat you like one as long as you're acting like one. Inches from each other's faces now, our breathing fumed. I stepped back, wanting to take a breather, get some rest. You know, William, I wouldn't have to run around trying to gather information for myself if you didn't lock yourself up in your room or pull people away from me to talk about things. We should all be put on a level playing field. Nothing needs to be hidden from any of us. I think you should remember that we're all fighting the same battle. I said quietly. He softened. I might not be the only one here being childish. Silence landed harshly between us as I walked quietly back to my room.